you can't- or there's an alternate perspective, I think, to look at what what could this experience possibly have to teach me? Yeah. Is the way I take it. And I think that comes back to the whole finding yourself concept of what can I learn about myself from having experienced this, even if it's a dark or life experience or less than pleasant life experience, what could this have to teach me about myself? How could I come back to learning more about myself from navigating through this? Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. Okay, we are on episode 18, and this one is called Finding Yourself. I'm here with my partner in crime, Diane. Hey, Diane. Hey, Al. It's great to be here. Great to have you once again. And of course, we've had our hour-long conversation before. (laughs) Prior to the podcast, yeah. Yes. And uh, we've been talking about finding yourself. So the quote we start with in this blog, which I, it's kind of what started the idea for the post was sometimes you find yourself in the middle of nowhere and then sometimes in the middle of nowhere you find yourself. Mm, I love that quote. Yeah, I thought it was such a cool quote because it kind of sums up the idea that like you don't know where it's going to come from. The unpredictability of it, yeah. We were also talking about that David Hawkins thing where you had like a hundred different ways that people try to find themselves. Oh, there's a multitude of pathways there, yeah. There's religions, there's yoga, there's meditation, there's getting a dog, there's playing golf, there's reading, and you can just go on and on and on and on and on. And people will swear by one or a handful of them for themselves. Right. But it really is different for everyone. Everyone has like their own path. It's, u- like their- it's unique to everyone. I mean, there's no one size fits all approach to it. But at the crux of this post, I think, is the concept that, you know, you had this perception of, you know, finding yourself being this fun and joyful, lighthearted pathway. And then oftentimes it doesn't turn out to be that way. It turns out that some of the deepest wisdom insight comes from the darker experiences of life that life brings us, no matter what that looks like for each individual. Yeah. And I think in our, both of our cases, it seems we're similar in the sense that when we're more like in our twenties, we didn't really have all that kind of some people do have like those dark experiences earlier in life right i mean yeah it doesn't always play out the same way for everyone but for whatever reason i mean in my mind back then it was more like music festivals woodstock smoking uh-huh. pot doing acid opening your minds and like really like especially having a couple of psychedelic experiences uh-huh. where you would have this feeling of like whoa i'm like i really am kind of connected with everything i didn't know there was this other consciousness kind of thing. Like there Uh wasn't this other realm that I was completely unaware of. Mm -hmm. 
And so you'd get glimpses of that as you were young and you always wanted to recreate that. So in that state of mind, it was very adventurous and positive and like very, um, yeah, what it had nothing to do with darkness. Right. It was all about fun and joy and not about navigating the darker side of what life experience can hold. Yeah. And I think those positive experiences, they're good. I mean, they're helpful in a certain way. Like, but I think there's a limit to the depth of, I think you get a lot more and this is what we'll go into. Like you do get a lot more out of like those deep, those kind of what do they call it? The nights. What the of the- actual hell just happened experiences. Yeah. yeah like, the dark nights of the soul, right? Yeah. Um, whether it be trauma, grief, loss, that kind of thing. I know we talk a lot. About- <laughs> we talk a lot about grief and we, but I think we, I think in some ways we've gotten so much out of those things and we're continuing to like, it's just this evolving kind of ongoing journey that, yeah, just keeps coming. The onion. Offering invitations. <laughs> just for- keep opening up layers of this onion. <laughs> it's like the blooming onion. Yeah. Yeah. So I think as you think of fun experiences as a kid, and then when I look at like people that are our age or older, and I was talking to you about people that I envy or like people that I'm attracted to. Admire. Attracted to like on an energy kind of level where you want to mm-hmm. be around them are people that you know, by our age or older, that they've had plenty of life experience, plenty of hard times. And they still have like this childlike heart and they're open and they feel like- And optimism and yeah. Yeah, lighthearted, like just a lighthearted way, like sense of humor, things are, they could be silly, they could be funny, they don't take things seriously Mm -hmm. or not, you know, they can be in that moment and just be open like a kid and silly and- Yeah. And I'm like, wow- I always want to be that person, (laughs) but a lot of the time I just feel like this tightness, you know, of like, you can't open up, but you feel like closed off Mm. for whatever, you know, you know, as things happen, as people pass away, as financial markets crash, as you know, things happen, (laughs) you just start to get like this tension. And then like, when you go out in public, it's not like you're this freewheeling, lighthearted, you're carrying it with you. You got to start hanging out with me more. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And the funny thing is nobody would ever, if you ask my friends or you ask like anyone that knows me, they would say the opposite. They'd be like, oh, you are like the most lighthearted. But it's, so it's all an internal. Perception. Yeah. Yeah. An an internal um, experience that I'm having. I'm not maybe showing that. Right. But I can tell the difference in me of, you know, when I am lighthearted and, not taking life too seriously or myself too seriously or when I'm holding on to tension and just. And playing the role and staying conservative and buttoned up and being professional, quote unquote. It's like, what's a professional? I mean, yeah. Isn't that open to interpretation? Like I show up in yoga pants. I'm like, nobody hires a writer for what I'm wearing. Like, Yeah. Yeah. It's just that, but there's that perception of quote unquote being a professional. And it's like, well, my clothes don't determine my profession. Yeah, I can get stuck in a mental loop of thinking I, quote unquote, should look a certain way. Yeah. Or behave a certain way or not say certain words, which the older I get, the more I'm like, my language is what it is. My parents question. They're like, you have such an extensive vocabulary. Why do you insist on cursing? Yeah, but it's that internal dialogue that we have with ourselves so often. We can hold yeah. ourselves back. Yeah. 
And I feel it like not so much in a professional way. I feel it more like when I'm around my kids because mm. they're by nature silly and have a good sense of humor and don't take things too seriously. And I can tell when they're, they're feeling my like adults, conservative energy. It's very apparent the way I'm feeling. I could see mm. what's affecting them. And so it, it's a cool trigger too, because it makes me realize I'm like, snap out of it. Go grab a Frisbee and go outside and play with them and go do something. Get out of your own freaking head. Right. I just picture certain people that have like that. Yeah. Just that childlike kind of mentality, but they're older. They've gone through a lot of the same things, maybe tougher things. Like who knows? Like it could be. Well, the book that I'm reading, I told that you recommended to me that is called The Choice. Yes. Embrace the Possible by Dr. Eva Eager. Yeah. Oh my. What a powerful book. Mm-hmm. But like, and she still has the sense of joy and fun. And she's in what, her 80s or 90s? And she's yes. still doing ballet moves. And she, like her, part of her story involves the Holocaust. Like, and yet she still navigated through and beyond that. And she still has the sense of curiosity and she's reinvented herself so many times. And, you know, it's a really powerful book because it's like, what's my excuse? Look at what this woman has navigated what's my excuse for holding myself back and not reinventing myself and not doing what I'm passionate about. So yeah, people like that are just inspiring because it's an example of someone that has navigated some severe darkness and come out the other side and still found joy and creativity and light and inspiration in life. Yeah. And just from what we were talking about before, which I'm just kind of pushing back a little bit where you were saying, that we all have our stories and we all have our traumas and like, this isn't a, you're not getting a trophy for yours is bigger than hers. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. So many people in my own life have said like they're minimizing their own traumatic experiences. Mm. And I'm like, well, you're diminishing your own opportunity to heal yourself. First, I don't say this to people like this is internally in my head, my internal therapist is like, here's what you're doing right now. But people will preface Oh, but it's nothing compared to you. And I always push back and say, it's not a competition. Like nobody's handing out trophies for who navigated the most grief and trauma. In life. Yeah. You know, and we tend to compare ourselves and there is no comparison. There is no competition. All of us get hit with grief and trauma. The details look different. Yeah. Each one of them. And it's not a matter of whether we experience grief and trauma. It's a matter of how we choose to navigate through and beyond those experiences and what we choose to extract what wisdom we choose to extract and meaning we choose to extract going forward from those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody goes through them. I mean, so on one hand you want to have self-compassion, right? You want to basically, you know, nurture yourself. But on the other hand, do we? Cause I'm a people pleaser or covering people pleaser. So I'm all about nurturing everybody else. Like my tendency is to help everybody else before myself. And since, since we're all going through, we have different stories, but they're very similar things that it's the same kind of, you know, everybody has grief, has disappointment, has all these different things. I think it's very easy to like say, well, at least I don't have it as bad as so-and-so or, right. you know, a, it's, it's a slippery, weird slope because I think in some, in some ways people think that's a good way of thinking. Like, well, that person has it worse than me. So, you know, I shouldn't complain. Mm. Well, wait a second. Now you're not letting yourself complain. Now you're whole, now you're basically telling you're diminishing what you're going through. So it's like this strange, like, what do you do? So like you're hearing two different sides. Don't diminish what you're going through, hmm. but be grateful that you're not going through something that's worse than 
You know what I mean? Like, so it's, you're yeah. playing two sides of the same coin. You or there's an alternate perspective, I think, to look at what, what could this experience possibly have to teach me? Yeah. Is the way I take it. And I think that comes back to the whole finding yourself concept of what can I learn about myself from having experienced this? Even if it's a dark or life experience or less than pleasant life experience, what could this have to teach me about myself? How could I come back to learning more about myself from navigating through this? And having some acceptance that you were mentioning before of that you're going to have, it's not going away. There's healing, but like you don't forget and you have traces and memories and triggers and things happen and it's not an erase, you know, you're not a race. It's not etch a sketch where you're erasing right. memory, you know? Oh like, God, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, I always oh, want God, it. Could I have one? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I things I like to erase. A brain erase is definitely something. Oh, that would, yeah. That would be fantastic. Something. <laughs> <you know>? So <laughs> funny that we're, so I was watching a, a show. I'm going to go into the show. I have to do it just because what, what you just said. So the name of the show is called Homecoming. Maybe okay. it's on Amazon. It's with Julia Roberts. Okay. In a nutshell, it's basically this government experiment. They're taking all of these war veterans from the Iraq war uh-huh. and they're giving them this, they put them in this like facility, which is like all uh, self-contained. It's like a city, not even yeah. a city, but like they don't, they're not allowed to leave. They live here. They eat here. They do everything here. They have therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. It's over a six week period. And they're basically feeding them in the food, this medication, this experimental medication and it's to basically erase the memories of their trauma so the traumatic memories all the things they came into this they're like yeah you know all the bad horrible things they saw this medication is there to erase those memories right spoiler alert i gotta do it sorry (laughs) sorry people out there close your ears if you don't want to hear this so what happens is they're erasing all of their memories so it's a complete brain erase. So now they don't remember anything. They don't remember the stories, oh. the good stories. They don't remember the good things along with the bad. It's just a, it's an erase. A total reset. And the reason for this medication, the government's reason for the medication was to get them to re-enlist, to go back into war. So they want to well, erase. That's thick and twisted. What it, the hell? It is a little bit twisted. <laughs> but the whole idea is that. We want it like, but isn't this kind of what we want to do with our own now? Like when we think about a brain erase, I want to, I want to keep my good memories. I want to keep, I don't want to erase everything. I just want to erase this shit that's playing in the background. It's just like, God, just get rid of that. I don't need that. It's not serving me any purpose. Well, and it comes down to like when you numb the negative emotions, you also numb and diminish the experience of positive emotions. Like you can't numb one without also numbing the other. We yes. can self-medicate to, to not feel the negative, quote-unquote, negative emotions. But in doing so, we're, we're also diminishing our experience of positive emotions. It's like you can't, it's, they're tied together. So if we're going to experience things like grief and trauma and loss and heartbreak, and you know, I don't love that word, if we want to diminish the experience of those things, then we're also going to diminish our experiences of joy and fulfillment and presence and connection. And you can't diminish one without diminishing the experience of the other. Yeah. And the idea of like finding yourself, to me, it's more of an idea of like a total self-acceptance of the Mm -hmm. bad, of the good, of the past memories, good and bad, of 
Every, and also of your reactions to those memories ongoing. So, yeah. I mean, what happens, I think, with a lot of people is, at least for me, I mean, it's like that second arrow syndrome, you know, like something traumatic happened or whatever, something happens. And now you're regurgitating it over and over and over and you're reliving that trauma over and over. And it's, it's just a mental loop. It's, it's a loop that you're, you're playing this, you know, movie clip right. in your head over and over again. And, so, and what I do a lot of times, like, then you start to beat yourself up over, like, stop doing that. Why are you doing that? You're playing this negative loop. It's not right. serving you. Stop doing that. And then you do it again. And eventually you get so worked up. You do mm -hmm. want to numb. You want to numb in some way, sit in front just of a get team. me out of this. Like, Overwork. Just, yeah, yeah, just let me put my attention on something else because I'm tired of like this chatter. Mm. Let me distract um, myself. Let me focus on work. Let me, yeah, let me pull work into my bedroom. That was a real smart idea a year ago. <laughs> 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 yeah. What was I thinking? Yeah, let me just keep busy. Let me just keep doing, 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 doing instead of allowing myself to be. Yes. And it's a method of distraction that I think is dangerous. And my own experience of trauma, it's taken a year. And I'm like, why, why am I not there yet? And I do go to beat myself up. Like, why haven't I dealt with this yet? It's like, well, because I wasn't ready to deal with it, obviously. Like, I didn't have the emotional capacity to deal with some things until I did. And, you know, I can choose to beat myself up or I can choose to just feel and be and experience and grieve and cry and look at what wisdom can I extract from this broader perspective now that I have time between that event and where I am now. Yeah. And some, sometimes it just takes perspective to extract more of the meaning and the wisdom. Yeah. And that self-acceptance of when you're going through that, like you said, it's a year later. Why am I not over this? Why am I still crying about it? Like, yeah. why am I just crying about it? Like I didn't cry when it happened. And yeah. a year later I'm in a mess on the kitchen floor, like the hell, but I wasn't ready to feel the emotions until I was, and there's no right or wrong. And there's no, with grief, there's, it's not linear. It's, there's no timeline for it. And there's no predictability, which drives me insane. I'm like, I want the map. Show me where to go. And there is no map. And no map. accepting that is really challenging for me. And when you think of like, if you were a little kid, if you were five years old, mm -hmm. and you've gone through a trauma that you went through, mm -hmm. like you wouldn't, Tell the kid, hey, get over it. Like, right. why aren't you? Yeah, I thought you were over that by now. Like, right. so it's, it's so funny how, like, you can so easily do it with a little kid or even a stranger. Like, you could have compassion for a, a stranger. At least totally. I could. And then yeah. I, I look at my, why am I the drill sergeant of myself? Like, why am I, you know, harden up, toughen up? Like, it's almost like this weird mentality. Like, you're hard on yourself. Totally. But for yeah. what, what, what purpose is that serving? So I think it's coming from a place where it's almost like a self-preservation kind of, you got to toughen yourself up. You can't feel all these emotions that are making you quote unquote weak. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to be hard because the world's hard and you need to be hard. And I think it's that kind of like underlying mentality, but it doesn't work. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't work. Like it's, I think not, it's. Yeah. Not long-term and it's not sustainable. Right. It works in moments of crisis, right? Right. Acute, acute situations. 
not in yeah i mean not to call life chronic but yeah (laughs) (laughs) not longer term scenarios yeah and we were talking about like the the experience and not having control of like market conditions anything external like that feeling of just unpredictability is terrifying uncertainty is the most terrifying thing to it's the worst i'm like give me the map i want to see like show me when it's going to show up and even if it, if it's really 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 bad but you know about it then that's people can accept that it's still okay yeah that's yeah. a little more predictable than the freaking pure chaos that is in the world around us so often like whether i mean we're looking at world events right now like <laughs> yeah <laughs> what the heck is happening that's terrifying. It's a, because it's on a mask. It's like what? What are they? It's like a band. The band name, Widespread Panic. It's yeah. literally like uh, this hysteria that happens, hysteria. and it all comes yeah. from not knowing. You know, you get bits of information, and then people are saying one thing. I mean, we're going. We're recording this during the whole coronavirus outbreak and stock you know, market crash. and stock market crash <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Jesus. We're all screwed. It's just, yeah. It's like, why do we even show up anymore to life? Yeah, it's the sky is falling <laughs> moment. It really is. Like, basically, people think the sky's falling. There's no toilet paper on the shelves. There's no water. There's it reminds no- me of, like, right immediately post 9-11. Like, I had an ex-boyfriend call me, and he's like, let's go get a hotel room. The world's ending. I'm like, what? <laughs> <I'm> like, <"No." laughs> Smart guy. <laughs> yeah, strike while the iron's hot there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah that's hilarious <laughs> and i hadn't talked to him in a while and he's all of a sudden yeah on the phone with me that's like, funny yeah. <laughs> but the feeling of catastrophe and being like so out of control and like what the hell is the world coming to and how soon we forget like right i mean how quickly bef- we do forget the trauma of that talk about trauma yeah that was Think about two months ago to today. Like, I mean, we're in a different, I mean, at least, oh, dear God. you know, we, everybody feels like they're in a different world. I mean, it's so crazy. Yeah. It just shows you how fragile, you know, society can be. It's like, you know, a couple of things happen. The and press- people are like making runs on toilet paper and hand sanitizer. And I'm just like, what the fuck? like, I'm just, it's, I'm looking around like, what are you doing? It's, I mean, I'm still showing up for like coffee appointments and wine. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to stop living my life because of whatever quote unquote pandemic is happening. It's like, and wash it, your hands, people. It's just, it's really not that complicated. But, yeah. And I spent and, the, you know, a week in Central America. I did not hear a word about it. Mm. Nothing, not even like nothing. Nobody talked about it. It was like, it didn't exist down there. Well, it doesn't, obviously they don't even have an outbreak because it's, I guess, a warm climate, but. You'd think they would be talking about it at least. No, I didn't hear a thing. Not on their radar. And then I come back to the freaking, you know, the apocalypse. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and you're trying to get back to finding yourself. My God. So, yeah. <laughs> so how do you like it? It's like, that's like a micro, like, so what's going on in your head? Like we were just talking about, like when you were saying, mm-hmm. like when you're kind of rolling these movie clips in your head, mm-hmm. it's kind of like having like your own sort of panic you know, like the public panic that's happening. It's just sort of, but it's happening internally. Yeah. And like you made the analogy to like the waves, like in the ocean. And I love that. Like, well, you can let the wave, you can try to fight the waves or you can just allow the waves to keep rolling and you can even allow the waves to move you forward sometimes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a choice and it's a perspective shift and it's how are you going to look at things like life is going to knock each one of us down. The details will differ, but we're each going to find ourselves in a dark life experience often more than once. And yet we still have a choice of how we navigate through and beyond those experiences and what we choose, what wisdom we choose to extract from them. And I've used the example of like, the stars are always in the sky, but we can't see them until the darkness descends. It mm. takes the darkness for us to see the moon and the stars. They're always there. Yeah. I've heard it like from like the Buddhist philosophy. It's the clouds are blocking the sun. The sun's always there. The sky's yes. always there. The sky is always blue. Like if you go up in a plane, like once you get above the cloud cover, oh, total blue sky. Like not like you're above the clouds. It's that higher perspective. And and that higher perspective can be really challenging to reach or embrace or even allow in the middle of the darkness. But I, did I ever tell you the story of my ex-husband's name was the same as a hurricane that blew through Charlotte a few years ago? No, but I would love uh, to hear this. And I knew that <laughs> the ex has to come up in each episode at least once. <laughs> you get a lot of airtime. That's um, it. <laughs> of all the names of all the freaking hurricanes to blow right through Charlotte and but it happened to be a really fast moving one and it brought down a lot of trees like all around so this particular hurricane did a lot of destruction but it blew through and I was standing outside and actually it's on my Instagram because I took a picture as the hurricane the clouds were departing and the blue sky was showing up Mm. and I'm like oh so even when we have hurricanes in our life experience blue sky is always there even when we can't see it Blue was always there. The light was always there, even though I couldn't see it in the middle of the cloudy darkness. Yeah. Yeah. And And life is going to bring us hurricanes. It's going to take trees down. It's going to bring us destruction. And sometimes the cleanup takes longer than we might prefer. But the blue sky is always there waiting on the other side. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, that's literally the basis of like Buddhist philosophy is that, you know, the clouds are like your thoughts that like you basically are, you're a clean slate, like you're perfect as you're born. And then like society and environment, everything kind of starts clouding everything. Family of origin. (laughs) (laughs) Family of origin. Exactly. Yeah. And then like, so your only job is to like remove the clouds. Like that's literally all. Not even to remove them, but to allow them to dissipate, I think. To, re- to always remember that there's the sun behind those clouds, right? Or I think it's a remembering thing because we know it like we're talking about it right now. So obviously we know this. Right. But in each moment, do we remember this or do we remind ourselves of this perspective? I mean, if you carry this perspective with you all the time, kept it at the forefront of your mind, kept an index card and you're, you know, read it 10 times a day. Yeah. Um, the customer service rep that I traumatized last week would probably agree that, that no, we are not all there all the time, <laughs> even those of us who have a higher perspective and yeah. a level of consciousness. No, I felt really bad. Like she, yeah, she probably needed like therapy after I was done unloading on her. But <laughs> like, <laughs> I was frustrated and angry yeah. at a certain situation and some things that were still on my agenda to deal with. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It happens, right? So yeah, I mean, and- we all have our moment. I did apologize to her, and I, by the end, I was you know thanking her. But yeah, she probably could use some. 
<laughs> she took a nice beating in that. <laughs> I need a thallium after she got thrown with me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she got verbally assaulted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, give me words. What is the post that I shared about writers are dangerous people or snipers armed with words? Like, yeah, snipers. Go ahead. Are- go ahead. Mess with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of times these moments are so long. It's like, going through the hard times mm-hmm. if you even have the memory like if you could remember in those moments they're not moments like they're days weeks year like it takes a long time for a lot of these things and to have like some sort of like fallback thought process of something will come of this i i will there, there's some benefit to this i don't think you just go through these kinds of things for no reason you can choose to I or you mean, can choose to believe that. Or you can choose to stay in victimhood and mm-hmm. suffering and blaming everybody else and yeah. holding on to attachments to things. And But healing takes whatever pathway it takes. And we're all just doing the best that we can. Yeah. And you had mentioned also the book, The Alchemist, where he's yes. like, the character in the book is wandering in the desert. And it's like, sometimes we find ourselves in the most unexpected places and experiences or we find pieces of ourselves. And maybe that's more accurate. I don't know that there's like a, I found myself, I'm done. Like no more self-reflection for me. It's like, well, well, it works in progress too. But he's wandering and looking and looking in all these external places and he ends up finding himself in the middle of nowhere, as the quote says. Yeah, I think the more you do this kind of stuff, the more you start getting more the more comfortable you get being uncomfortable, it's, I mean, that's the hardest thing. So like all, all this panic stuff we're talking about is people being uncomfortable. And it's their oh, behavior. People are so uncomfortable right now. There's oh. so much fear and anxiety in the world and the media is not helping as it never does. Right. And from like an investing standpoint, instead of pausing and like, just, all right. Take a step back. Right. Yeah. People panic sell. It's just, it well, plays out in behavior. Yeah. They panic sell or they're unloading on their financial professional. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep, yep. Um, I could attest to that. <laughs> people don't handle stressful situations ideally. Like when people yeah. are stressed, and you and I both have a lot of experience in working with people and clients in incredibly stressful life experiences. And it's just, yeah. it's hard sometimes for the professional professionals to keep our composure because we're just like do get a freaking grip like it's not that big a deal take a step back yeah perspective but people in the midst of that darkness they don't have that objective perspective and that's the value of professionals is to have someone outside of the immediate situation to calm people down and have the conversation and just but i guess what happens with like the advisors or the professionals they feel uncomfortable too. I, don't get me wrong. Like I feel uncomfortable. It's not like I'm oh, going yeah. through this like, oh, this piece of cake. I don't It'll mind. Market's, market's down 30% in a month. No big deal. No, I feel like the same thing as they're feeling. Yeah. But I've just been through it. And I'm, so it, that, that's the tough part. Because like when you're talking to them, you're trying to console them. You're, you're, it's like, you're I'm afraid, you're afraid. And I'm trying to console you. Like, yeah. So you are experiencing it. But I think you have the experience mm-hmm. to know that you know, this has happened before. This has- The benefit of perspective, and we've talked in other episodes about those of us, there's a whole generation of people and even professionals in the world that did not experience 2008, 2009. Yeah. 
talk about walking through the fire of a life experience. Anyone. Yep. I mean, I don't care what industry you were in, it impacted you. And I actually just was writing personally about that recently. I'm like, you can't keep just building. Like the construction industry in our area in Charlotte, North Carolina, has been drunk on their profits for years. It's like yep. you can't just keep doing this. I was driving the other day and this happens all it happened at the Arboretum the other day. I'm like, wait, where did that go? Like, oh. They just tore it down. They're building something new. It's like, okay, you can't have perpetual growth. Like that's not natural and it's not sustainable. And so we've been overdue for a correction for a very long time. Right. Uh, but prior to experiencing 2008 and 2009, I would have been a lot more apprehensive than I feel right now. But I yes. lived through 2008 and 2009. I worked nights at Target during that time while my ex was unemployed. Um, <laughs> and I was showing houses during the... Wow. Uh, I lived through it. And so now I am a lot more calm and stable feeling than I would have been had I not had that, that experience 12 years ago. And yeah. yet there's people out there that didn't go through that, that didn't live professionally through those years. And mm -hmm. I can understand and appreciate the sense of panic. I can too. And I, so I, th I relate this more to 9-11. Yeah. Because of the travel industry. So basically with the coronavirus, yeah. nobody's doing any, like can everybody's canceling flights. Everybody's canceling cruises, trips, everything's canceled. But where's the opportunity in that? Like, where do I want to travel to? Cause I bet pricing is <laughs> pricing is, oh yeah. I heard they have like $99 flights to Hawaii at this point. Let yeah. me book flights. Yeah. It's, yeah. Right. Or like, and all the travel stocks or the whole travel market has like plummeted. And that's exactly yeah. what happened back after nine 11. Nobody wanted to fly. But how long did that last? I mean, not long. People were flying a year or two out, you know, less than that. Yeah. The world the kept were going. Back in the sky, yeah, pretty quickly. So the perspective is look a year down the road. I mean, a year after that was happening, people got back, life goes back to normal at some points. But when you're in that intense moment, you think it's going to last forever. You think it's going to be a lot worse than it usually is. Mm hmm. So it's like that idea of like, this is never going to end or the idea right. that this time is different than all the other times. Oh, I know those happened in the past, but this time's different. I right. hear that so much. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? History doesn't repeat itself, but they say it rhymes. Right. So. Oh, I love that. You know, like it's, there's similarities, but it's not exactly the same. Yeah. But for some reason, people always say, no, 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 Al, you don't understand. This time's different. Like, this is the coronavirus. Like, we never had anything like this before. I'm like, really? Why don't mm -hmm. you do a little bit of research and actually Ebola? this happened many times? Like, yeah, we've had pandemics before in the yeah, world. Yeah, it was H1N1, we... then there was like SARS, and then it was, I mean, they, yeah. things that you can't remember because... Because they... you're not in the moment of that experience yeah. anymore. Yeah. And, it, and when you're in the, the middle of the darkness and the fear, it just feels so intense and so real and so never ending. And it's just like, okay, take a step back, take a deep breath. And yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I do feel like I, I am getting to be more comfortable in that precarious type situation or that searing kind of like uncertainty. Like I, I'm familiar with it, but I still feel like I'm going to throw up half the time. I still feel like I get a little nauseated. I'm like, oh God, here it goes and comes again. But like, I'm, 
again, I had the experience of going through it before, like you said, where people, and surviving and, and surviving the other side. It's like, you know, whether it's divorce or trauma or whatever, grief, it doesn't matter. Like once you've navigated a fiery life experience and come through the other side, you have a different level of understanding of your own strength. I think, yeah. um, at least that's been my perspective on it. Like, well, I've navigated whatever I've navigated already. I can do this. And let me just take it one step at a time and keep going forward. It makes me think like you ever hear of like the Japanese culture. It might, it might be a lot of other Asian cultures too. That I've heard the story about how like the kids in, in like the Asian culture, I think it was specifically Japanese culture would literally like get into arguments and fight with each other about who was going to be able to take care of the parents as they get older. Because it was such a big honor to take care of the elderly because the elderly is seen as like so wise. Like it's like the polar opposite of our culture where, you know, the elderly, you you can't do anything anymore. So, you know, you're you're worthless. Yeah. Yeah. There it's the opposite. It's like, it's an honor to take care of the elderly. Um, And I thought that was such a cool, again, reframe of like older people are wise. I mean, somebody that's lived 80 years, they got all the experiences they had, all of, the market crashes, the deaths, the yeah. traumas that they've dealt with everything. Like they've seen, they've seen it all. The amount of stories, like the power of our stories, mm-hmm. it, how many stories they have navigated and lived through. Like it comes back to that book, the choice, how many stories she has that so deeply re- Like I was in tears in the introduction. Yeah. I'm like oh, such deep resonance with what she was writing and saying and expressing and just to witness her stories of her life experience. Like, you yeah. know, and, and again, the details differ, but there's so much we have in common that we don't know unless and until we, we choose to keep sharing our stories. Hmm. I think, yeah, I, I think I had a different interpretation of what finding yourself meant, you know, at different, like it means something so different now. One thing I was thinking about, I just got back from a surf trip, but the one prior, I went on one last year to Costa Rica and it was this surf camp called Surfing with Amigas. So it's all these like 25 year old blonde, blue eyed girls, surfer girls that okay. are just like, again hippies and just you know all they do all day is like teach surfing and they're drinking beers at night and happy-go-lucky not a care in the world adventurous like and i remember thinking now i was there at 46 years old you know mm-hmm. with my girlfriend shelby and looking at them like just through completely different eyes like i'm like yeah. if i was 25 and there Mm-hmm. I would be like so enamored and like just been like in love, you know, like, oh my God, these girls have it made. This is what I want to be like. They're so free spirited. They're so this, they're so, and then I'm looking at it, at it at a, as a 45, 46 year olds. And it, it, there was nothing wrong with it. I was like, that's cool. But I was like, oh, I get it. Like you just haven't had life experience yet. I mean, you're 25 years old. You're just having fun. Yeah. Which is great. And I'm glad which you are having cool. fun. Like, and you're, I'm sure you're learning stuff as you're doing this too, but yeah. I just, I guess I don't have the same kind of, not re- respect's not the right word because it's not about respect. It's not like I don't respect them. They just don't have the life experience that I guess I thought they had looking at it through a 25 year old's. When you uh, were in that demographic. Right? Yeah. I thought they were like the end all be all of everything and knew everything about everything and had it all together. And it was like this perfect mentality of everything. And you get older and you realize, 
I get a lot more out of people that have been through the mill, you know, <laughs> I've kind of been through the rate. So like I, you and I get along so well. Yeah. But it's easy to relate. You know, you could talk surfacey with the people. Yeah. I'm you could have fun beach talk, but you know, is there any depth and substance and, you know, and not everyone. And I have friends that we talked about generational stuff too. It's like, not every millennial is superficial. That's not right. at all true. I have, I actually was just with a millennial friend. She's solidly millennial, like in her twenties, mm-hmm. but we have multi-hour conversation and like time flies. And we just, cause she's willing to go deep. She's definitely an old soul and we connect on that level, but it's just interesting. Like, and, and there are people my own age that I'm like, I can't talk to you for more than three minutes. Cause I'm yeah. just like the first guy that I dated. Like, dude, yeah, no, <laughs> tell me stop. <laughs> um, just couldn't go there with depth and substance and or couldn't or wasn't willing to but yeah it's just interesting yeah it just depends like it, it depends on on people's life experience I think and yeah I think some people you know experience a lot of trauma and abuse at a young age and and choose to navigate through that and extract the wisdom and then they end up you know being people that I really enjoy communicating with and then other people hit 40 and they've never experienced a fiery life experience. Like, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's, so it just depends. There's no one size fits all, I don't think, but it's about, you know, how, what life brings us to experience and how we choose to navigate through and beyond it and what we extract from it in order to find pieces of ourselves. Yeah. And I think we, of course we live in, you know, somewhat of a superficial society that kind of somewhat, yeah. All right. Yeah. I guess I'm being, <laughs> being a little lenient. Yeah. I mean, it's all about the youth, right? You know, it's kind of oh, like, totally. We, oh, women over 40. Oh, you're, you're done. Like, yeah. No, no. Right. And I started to think like, and then you start to fall into that. Then you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, Oh my God, my eyes, my wrinkles, this, that you start doing that kind of thing. And yeah. I, I always love the idea that like I earn my wrinkles, you know, I like thinking it from the opposite standpoint of like, so there's, I a, earn these, you know, yes. like uh, there's a song that I love by Brandy Carlisle. It's called the story. And the, the song starts out. Um, all of these lines upon my face, tell you the story of where I've been or who I've been. And I, it's a beautifully written song and it's just such a powerful, and I love that way of looking at it. Like, I earn these lines. Like these are my life experiences. Like, yeah. No. And I mean, would I go back and want to live through all of them again? Hell no. I right. wouldn't want to go through divorce again. I wouldn't want to go through assault again, but they happened. And yet here I am. And yeah. I'm not going to apologize for what I've experienced. It's yeah. They're just stories that are part of my past. Yeah. And you were saying earlier, like, so basically finding yourself is just showing up, showing up every day with choosing. all, with choosing to show up. And it is a choice. It is. And, and it's not always an easy choice. Sometimes it is a brutal choice to make. Sometimes it is so hard. A year ago, I was out with friends drinking wine. And at the time, like it physically hurt to laugh. And I was like, fuck it. Like I'm drinking wine with my friends and I'm going to choose to laugh because the healing power of laughter, I was willing to pay the price of the pain at the time, you know, and sometimes it is, it is not easy to show up and it's not easy to take that next step or to even know what the right next step for you is sometimes. So it is a choice to just keep showing up for our life experiences, no matter what the details of those look like. 
I mean, just it comes down to that that one decision. And again, you don't always have to do it. It's just, I guess that's kind of the one choice you have, right? It, the one choice is I'm just going to show up. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I don't know how I'm going to handle it. I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be a million different things. I don't know. Again, the uncertainty thing. I don't know what I'm showing up into. Right. I'm and choosing I, to show up. And I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, and yeah, and that's challenging for me to, to let go of outcomes and expectations and to really not have any expectation or embrace the unknown, which horrifies my recovering perfectionist mm-hmm. planner. Like, like I want to see the path. Show me. Embracing the unknown is wildly uncomfortable for me. Yeah. I, I think for most people, I mean, you're definitely not alone in that one. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The unknown just, yeah. And yet I wasn't looking for a cat and you've met my cat that I adopted recently. <laughs> just showed up like, hi mom. I'm like, Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't looking for a cat and he adopted me. So. Yeah. 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 Embracing the unknown opportunity. That's the challenge. It's the challenge of like sitting in that, again, that uncomfortable spot. Like, can you do it? Can you sit in it? Can you show up? But the flip side of challenge is opportunity. That's the only way to it. It's, you're not going to get it not showing up. Opportunity doesn't come from not showing up, right? Well, right. And I could, I mean, there are days when I choose to stay in bed, but, you know, and I could have chosen a hideaway after yeah and i could have chosen to not show up for my life and i the defiant part of me very much from the beginning was like screw that that." like no yeah i was listening to um tara brock tara brock i think i've told you about she has a she's a meditation teacher she wrote a book called radical acceptance i haven't read her book but i've done some of her meditations yes okay and she was i was just listening to one today and she was talking about the self-acceptance type thing and it was more related to like um, addiction and just like rumination. And what she was trying to say was that we all have this, even before we were even verbal, mm-hmm. we have this need for um, some sort of like self-nurturing. Yeah. And basically all addiction is, is like you're literally just trying to nurture your, like your, your body's doing something good. It wants to make, you know, make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. And it's coming out, of course, in a destructive way, but it's serving a purpose. Like you're getting enough of a pleasure sensation from this thing. Of a benefit, yeah. Even though it has detrimental side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking about how that self-acceptance of that, like realizing that, realizing that you're doing things that maybe aren't good for you. Mm-hmm. If you could realize and have the self-acceptance that you're, you're doing this for a purpose. You're not a bad person because you're doing these things but you're doing them because that's what you, that's what you're innately craving. And we do it in different ways. People do it with food. People do it with what we were saying, overwork, with drugs, with alcohol, whatever, social media. Yeah. <laughs> and so I love like her spins on it are always this pure kind of embracing, just accepting of, of that and just being, because as soon as you turn that corner and, and you become the disciplinarian, Mm-hmm. Say you shouldn't be doing. Stop doing that. You're a weak person. You're this. It's judging. You st- yeah. and you stay in that loop. Like you then, you know, you continue to do those activities that you know are harmful. Well, there's a great um, page. Her profile on Instagram is the holistic psychologist, and she talks a lot about our childhood wounds and traumas and how those manifest in our adult lives in ways that we're not aware of. 
and the healing work that we're invited to do. Because we all pick up coping mechanisms in our childhood to deal with, to, to make ourselves feel safe in whatever our environment looks like. Mm-hmm. But then we carry those coping mechanisms into adulthood and don't realize how they're harming ourselves. Like they're no yeah. longer serving us. Yeah. They, they served a purpose when we were five, but at 45, they're holding us back and yeah. they're running in the background. And unless and until we start becoming more aware of them, yeah, we're not going to be able to witness and heal them. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like running in the background is the unconscious mm-hmm. power of the unconscious. And yeah. And you got to bring it out. You got to bring it out into, you got to see it. If you don't There's see it. There's a whole it, other post about that, making the unconscious conscious. There is. We're getting to this. Yeah. <laughs> all, yeah we're going down a road here. It's all leading yeah. somewhere. It's all interrelated. <laughs> so that was episode 18. Yeah. Finding yourself. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add, Diane? You know, and the only thing I would add is that often I think we find aspects of ourselves in very unexpected ways and being open to that awareness can be really helpful and yeah. not having a singular closed-minded focus on what that might look like for each one of us. The not knowing is okay, right? Yeah, it's, that it's okay to not know and it's okay to not know an outcome and it's okay to not have expectations. Yeah. I agree. Well, next week we got comparison. So this could be a good one. We're always kind of judging ourselves compared to others, right? So I remember the quote was like, it wouldn't be any fun being a billionaire if you were the only person on the face of the earth. Left on the planet. Yeah. Died and you were the only person you had a billion dollars. How much fun would that be? That wouldn't be much. Right. Yeah. There's nothing to compare yourself to. I know. The dollars don't talk back. The the people do. (laughs) (laughs) There's nobody to envy me. There's nobody to have a conversation with. Like, I can't, I can't live like that. No. Well, yeah, so we're going to get into that. Comparison, episode 19. Please come follow us at faconfessions.com and like and subscribe and share, review, comment. Do all that fun sort of stuff. It was fun, Diane. Again, I love these conversations. Let's continue them. Until, until next week. All right, we'll talk to you. We'll see you next time. Bye.